faithful forever, sovereign in love. You are perfect, or you are perfect in love, sovereign over us. Um, I think that kind of gets it this morning's message. So just kind of hold that in your heart and your mind as we as we talk through a bit more of Jonah this morning. Um, we're we're in this season of life called Lent in the church calendar, um, and Lent is about living a different rhythm. Uh, than what we normally live, because the rhythm of life needs to change. If, if music always had the same exact rhythm, it would get really boring, right? We wouldn't listen to it if it all needed to be exactly the same and sound exactly the same. Um, but life is lived with, with different rhythms, and thankfully music has different rhythms. And Lent is a season where we need to, to experience maybe a different rhythm, uh, it's, it's, it's a place where we get to pay attention to the ways that we are living out of rhythm with God's creation and with God himself. Um, it's a time to, uh, to, to give things up so that we can t- take on more of, uh, of the Spirit's work in our life. Uh, and, and so just as we, as we go through the book of Jonah, uh, just remember that we're in this season of Lent uh, where traditionally people spend time fasting, Um, and seeking God's guidance and leadership um, as we move towards Holy Week, Good Friday, um, and finally Resurrection Sunday. So last week, Eric started us through the book of Jonah, uh, and we we talked about uh, just the first three verses, the introduction that that there's this prophet named Jonah who's called uh, to go to Nineveh and preach the word of the Lord to them. And instead of going to Nineveh, uh, Jonah decides to go as far as he can uh, the other way. Um, and this morning we're going to kind of pick up the story in the middle of his, uh, in the middle of his journey uh, across the Mediterranean. And, and remember that we're, we're trying to hold some space in this story um, a, a, as, an, as an ancient parable that wants us to tell, to tell us true things about who God is and about who we are. Um, And there's a whole bunch of those things in here. So um, we're going to start at Jonah chapter 1, verse 4. If you want to open or or get to that, or it'll be up here on the screen as well. Um, we'll, I'll read that. Starting at Jonah 1, 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And just a quick side note here. Um, if you're like, oh, God wants me to do this thing and I'm going to run away and he's the God of the sea and the land, just like use our tip, don't get on a boat, right? Jonah, oh, um, Verse 10, this terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. 
So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea? It is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. So we're going to talk about a, a few different pieces within this story this morning as we try to kind of discover what's God doing, what's God trying to speak to us. And so the first place I want to look is I want us to talk about the sailors versus Jonah. Like there's these, these the sailors as a character and Jonah as a character in this story. So the sailors, what we know about them, they're pagans, which means they're Gentiles. They're not Israelites. They're not following Yahweh. What we know about Jonah is that he is a prophet of Yahweh. So not only does he follow uh, God, but he's like somebody who hears God's voice and then shares what God says with other people. Um, so we have people on two ends of the spectrum here, um, but they, they head in unexpected directions. Uh, the, the sailors throughout this story move towards Yahweh. They move towards repentance. They move towards a change in their life. Um, if you look at, at verse 5, it says, all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. So at the beginning of the story, when the, the storm first rises up, they do what sailors would have done a few thousand years ago. They each start saying like, you know, they go down the line, the captain's like, all right, you, what God is responsible for this? Oh, cry out to him. See, nope, nope, still waves. You, what God is responsible for this? Oh, good idea. What do you got? Yeah, the sail is still full of wind. We're still, we're sinking. All right, you. And then you just would have gone down the line. Everybody would have like prayed to their God and they would have seen like, which God is it that's going to fix things? And they would, you know, like done all the things that you need to do to try and um, not sink, um, to, to give all these like requests to all their gods. And it doesn't work. Um, and they have some conversation with Jonah. They ask him some questions. Sometimes he responds. Um, but in verse 11, they come to him with a question. They say, what should we do to you, Jonah, to make the sea calm down for us? So they move from, we're just going to like kind of throw it out there to all the gods we know of to see if we cannot sink. Like we think, Jonah, we think your God has something to say about this. And so what do we need to do for your God to like make this right? So they, they've started a turn. Okay, Jonah, well, we're going to include your God in this now because he knows something that's going on here. Um, and then in verse 14, um, the people, they, the sailors have moved yet again. They say, oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O oh Lord, and that word Lord is Yahweh. Uh, so they're using the, the, the Jewish name for, for God. Have done as you pleased. So they've taken another step towards just not, we're not just throwing it out there to anyone. We, we think Yahweh has the answer to what is happening to us, to this storm, to the peril that we are in, the danger that we face. Uh, and, and, and then we see uh, just in the next couple verses that it changes these sailors' lives. Um, Jonah, however, is a bit of a mystery um, throughout this book. Um, he's, he's the found one, right? He's the one who knows what's going on. Jonah's a prophet. He hears the word of the Lord. But in this story, Jonah is completely lost. He runs away. 
Um, he doesn't pray when everybody else is praying, and then he seeks his own death. And I find myself, when I, when I read Jonah, when I look at Jonah, I find myself feeling a little bit bad for Jonah, because we're going to find over the next five, six weeks that, like, this is a pretty common theme in the book of Jonah, that, like, and then here's what you expect the prophet of the Lord to do, and then Jonah doesn't do that, over and over and over. And so I feel kind of bad for him. I am also really, really thankful for Jonah, because I can always say in my, my worst moments, at least I'm not as bad as Jonah. Because, um, right, the guy's like a prophet of the Lord, and he just screws up and screws up and does the wrong thing. He's the found one who has been lost. And conversely, these sailors are the lost ones who are becoming found. In verse 16, it says that they've moved to worship. It says they feared the Lord, offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and made vows to Him. And so, the found one is lost. The lost ones get found. Everything is like upside down and backwards. The prophets, the prophet does it wrong. The sailors do it right. Um, and that's the story here in chapter one of Jonah. So I, I think one of the important things when we talk about the sailors is that we understand that they are having their view of God reshaped of Yahweh. It's being reshaped from like one of many gods possibly to like the God that is worth worshiping the god that rescues them the god that saves them the god is where they end up at jonah however is unwilling to have his view of god changed and what i what i mean when he's unwilling um jonah suspects that god is full of love and compassion because the reason he ran away from nineveh he tells us later he says um the reason I ran away is because I knew when you sent me to Nineveh, if I went there and I preached your word and the Ninevites repented, you would forgive them and have compassion on them. And in saying that, Jonah's saying, and I didn't want you to be a compassionate God to the Ninevites. I want you to destroy them. And so Jonah suspects there's this compassionate God out there, but he doesn't really want anything to do with him. And so we find Jonah, as the sailors are making this turn towards Yahweh, Jonah's sitting there, and the, the sailors come to him and say, what should we do with you to fix this problem? Now, in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, if God is compassionate and loving, and I know he's going to forgive this entire people group for their sin, th then maybe what I should respond to them is, what, what should we do? Is like, I should get down on my knees, and I should pray, and I should say, oh, Lord, creator of the, the land and the sea. Sorry about the getting on a boat and running away. Um, if you'll make the storm stop, like I'll hop off at the next um, port and catch a one-way camel to Nineveh and I will do whatever you ask. And got to be like, oh, I'm, I'm full of compassion and love and grace for you. Absolutely, Jonah. In fact, I'll provide a breeze to blow you all into port and it'll be amazing. Jonah doesn't want that God though. So Jonah's answer in the moment of what should we do is, it's actually kind of a nice answer, like, because he doesn't want a gracious and compassionate God, he says, throw me overboard, because if you don't, we're all going to die. That's the only option, is that our boat's going to sink. So throw me overboard, and I'll just be the one that dies, uh, rather than everyone. And, and the reason it's important to know that, like, the sailors are having their view of God reshaped. Um, and that Jonah's maybe a little hesitant and resistant to that. Um, 
is that our view of God shapes how we interact with the world. If we believe that God is this vindictive God who is just waiting for the moment to bring judgment and anger, or if we want that to be the picture of God, it affects how we're going to care about others. It affects how we're going to view ourselves. It affects how we're going to come to God when we have failed. Um, And it affects how we're going to treat others when they fail. And so if we have this view of God as angry and vindictive and, and out to destroy It's going to lead us to be really legalistic, follow-the-rules-exactly sort of people. Uh, Because we don't want to get out of line when there's an angry, vindictive God waiting to just, like, squish us. Uh, And and so we become really legalistic. And when the church becomes really legalistic, it becomes full of a bunch of unhappy Christians. Because what joy is there to be found in, like, working really hard to always make sure you never screw up and then nobody else around you ever screws up, but that we always screw up. That's like a pretty miserable way to live, and so there's just a church full of unhappy people. And when there's a church full of legalistic, unhappy people who have this view of God as like angry and vindictive, uh, it, it leads to a really poor witness to the community around us, to those that don't know Jesus. <laughs> because what joy is there to be found in a place where everybody's like, did you screw up this week? Oh, how could you? Right? When there's no room for grace, there's, there's nothing worth having. And, and, uh, and so I think it's important that we just are reminded continually and over and over and over that the Bible tells us that the best picture of God we get is found in Jesus. Right? It says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. And so we need to allow this this picture of Jesus to inform our view of God. Because instead of coming and destroying people for their sins, we read in the Gospels that God had compassion on them. And that God moved towards them in their sin. Um, As a parent, I can be uh, pretty quick to move towards my kids with, like, the, like, my first instinct is, like, how do I fix this and make them understand what they did was wrong? My, my wife, Shiloh, she was here last service, but she is really good at, like, moving towards my kids um, with, with, like, with this compassionate love and patience and grace, and that's what I see in Jesus, and so I continually am asking, God, give me your compassion um, when my kids fail or when I think they fail um, and, and he's good um, and so we need to let our view of God be shaped by Jesus um, rather than as this like cosmic person trying to like annihilate us so that's Jonah and the sailors in this story Jonah's headed away from Yahweh the sailors are headed towards Yahweh towards the Lord um, and the the next thing we need to talk about is the storm and in the ancient world, um, storms, like, they were seen as the judgment of God. So when you read about a storm in the book of Jonah, you know, like, the way people were going to read it way back when was that there, there is judgment coming. One of the gods, whichever one, we're not sure which, but one of the gods is angry. And he's going to get his people that he needs to in this. And so... When the storm starts, they start praying to their gods because they want to fix this, and they want to figure out which god is angry and, and, and whatnot. 
And the idea was either you make the right plea to the right God um, and, and, and everything goes well, right? Kansas basketball fans, last couple weeks, please let them win number 14. Um, the right plea was made. Come on, rock chalk. Um, and uh, and, and it, the, the, you make the right plea and things get better. Or you figure out what will appease the God and you do that thing like throwing someone overboard or throwing something overboard or saying the right incantation or something and then the storm will end. And if you can't end the storm, the thought was in the ancient world that whoever dies in the storm, that must be who the gods were mad at. So if everyone dies, the gods were mad at everyone. Um, if one person is swept overboard, that's, that's the person that God was, was angry with. Um, and, and so... This story is interesting because both in verse 4 and in verse 13, the storm is almost given like a characteristic, like it's almost personalized, like it it has the ability to respond to humans. Uh, Verse 13, um, as the men are trying to row back to land, it says, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And the the sea, like a better translation maybe of the sea grew wilder than before is that um, the sea rose against them with more strength, or the sea was against them even more than before. So there's this picture being, being told here and created in Jonah that, okay, if the people's response is this, the storm's response is this. And so then if they row a little harder, then the storm does this. And so then if they put every person on the boat into rowing, the storm does this. And they're, they're just not going to defeat this storm. This storm is against them. And I, I, right, do you ever live life that way? You, you understand that there's a storm against you, and it just feels like I am in the midst of a storm, and I cannot, I cannot overcome it. Um, I, I got a text message uh, last night um, from somebody in the church just saying that a teenager at Haven High School came home from the hospital with hospice care, right? He's been fighting cancer for four years. Life is full of storms. And, and, and some of them are like, some of them are small ones. Disagreements, arguments, small things that go bad and happen, but some of them are teenagers with cancer coming home to hospice care. And it's real, right? Um, that these storms exist and we try as we might, we, we don't always get past them. We can't row out of the storm. We can't do the exact right thing to end every storm. But yet we face them. And so I, I want to say two things about, about the storms we face in life. Um, and the first one is that I don't think the point of Jonah is to tell us that God causes all the storms. I don't think that's what we're supposed to learn from this, is that God causes big storms and you can never outdo God's storms of chaos that he brings to your life. I think we experience lots of chaos a lot of times because this world is really broken Um, and because sin is a part of the dynamic and there's all these powerful things at work against the kingdom of God. 
And so the world is broken and bad things happen. Um, but the second thing I want to say about it um, is that in the midst of life's storms, I think we can again look to Jesus, right? To the God, that, the, the revelation of God that comes through Jesus. And we can say that Jesus came into the storm. He was sent to dwell among us. His name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Um, and so when we find ourselves in the middle of life's storms, that we have a promise that God is with us, that God sees us, that he knows us, that he loves us, and that he will not leave us. And when other people are going through those storms, as the people of God, we have the opportunity to be the presence of God, to do the thing that, that Jesus has done by entering in among us. We have the opportunity to take that presence and to love and to, to give hope and to share grace and to be with um, in a physical way as God is present in his spirit in, in whatever place. Um, and I don't, I don't have answers for how to fix all the storms. But I know I have a God that is with in the midst of all of them because of his great love. And we're going to see that as we, as we talk through the, the last bit of this story. So Jonah... Jonah's in the midst of a storm, literally, figuratively. Um, he's in the middle of a storm. He's in a downward spiral, if we really want to get to it, right? He leaves um, his home and goes down to Joppa and gets on the boat in the wrong direction. Step one, down the spiral um, that Jonah's like now circling the drain of. And then once he gets on the boat, instead of like, hey guys, I'm running away, might encounter some storms, whatever, he like goes below deck and goes to sleep. Right? That's like coping 101. When life is overwhelming, go take a nap. Um, then the next thing that happens, he gets woken up and he's like, oh, it might be my fault. After they draw lots and discover it's his fault, um, he owns up to it and he gets thrown down off the boat into the sea. And then like kind of the final, the final piece in this chapter of Jonah's downward spiral is that he's thrown overboard and he's swallowed by a large fish and taken into the sea for three, three days. Um, and I think it's important to understand the fish a little bit because I think it's easy to think about fish and like if you've, if you've ever fished and gone fishing and you like catch some fish and then you want dinner and you cut one of those babies open, like it's not real pleasant. It's kind of gross. It smells bad. And so it's easy to think of like, oh, Jonah had to, had to sit in the belly of this fish for three days. That must have been so disgusting. I know why he repented because like that is a good punishment by God. Like parents are like, I wish I could come up with something like that. Um, like I would change too if I had to sit in the belly of a, of a fish for three days. But I think when we, if we read the fish as, as God's judgment, we misunderstand what God's trying to say in this story. The judgment of God would have been saying, and then they threw Jonah overboard, and he struggled as much as he could until he tired out and sank and drowned. That would be God's judgment, would have been Jonah drowning. But because God is gracious and compassionate and abounding in love, he sends a fish 
to rescue, God, to rescue Jonah because God is full of grace and this fish is the sign of his grace. So, so the, the, the deal here with Jonah is that it's not trying to, it teaches us something about like who we are, but it teaches us a lot about who God is. Through this story, we see a God that pursues Jonah, that pursues the sailors through the storm, and brings about deliverance for everybody involved. And we can even know that, like, he's working towards deliverance for Nineveh in all of this as well. So the fish is a sign of God's grace, not of God's judgment on Jonah. And if we look at the sailors as they make this turn towards repentance and towards worshiping Yahweh, Jonah only says like two worthwhile things in the first chapter of the book that is named after him. He declares who he is and that he worships the Lord his God um, who made the sea and the land. And then a few verses later when they say, what do we do with you? He says, throw me overboard and and things will stop. God will stop the storm if you throw me overboard. The rest of the time he doesn't really say anything worthwhile. He doesn't really speak truth. He's mostly just trying to get away from going to Nineveh. But in those two little acts of obedience, God brings about the salvation of these sailors. He brings about redemption. He restores them. He brings reconciliation between him and them. And so again, the grace of God in this story, that God pursues and calls and cares for these sailors, even in the midst of Jonah's mostly complete disobedience, God is still faithful and willing to use him to bring reconciliation between God and the sailors. So Jonah, we're just going to keep discovering it as we go through this book. Jonah likes to run. Jonah is stubborn. Jonah likes to try and flee God's plan. But God, in his love and grace and compassion, pursues Jonah over and over and over into the depth of, uh, 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 of the places Jonah can try and run to. God pursues him with his love. Um, and, and the same is true of God today, that he pursues us with his love and in his goodness. Um, and we can be thankful and rest secure um, that he is with us and that he loves us. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you... Um, that you love us, God, that you pursue us, God, that you are with us in the storms of life, God, that you are with us when we run away, and God, I, I pray that, that you would, God, in the, in the next moments as we, as we sing songs, God, that you would that you would speak to those in this room that are in a place of running away. God, that you would begin working uh, in their hearts um, towards repentance, towards the knowledge that you are the one true God. And God, for those that, 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 that are in this place feeling alone, God, that they would have a renewed sense that you are with them um, and that you love them. In your name we pray. Amen.